Brett the Wellness Base Camp hits your hometown of Adelaide this weekend. Oh, I'm so pumped, MP. The Brisbane Base Camp was a sellout and the feedback was inspiring. Christine said, keep up the incredible work and energy. You made me feel so, so good. Kira said, I loved all the speakers and the vibe in the room and there were so many aha moments. And Lauren said, no matter how many times I hear each of these people speak, I learn new things and always have action steps to take away. Oh, how inspiring is that, MP? It's great to see this event making a real shift in people's lives, Bretto. So jump on board for Adelaide folks, Kim Morrison, Damien Christoph, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, myself and the hometown hero, Brett Hill. Oh, MP. The Wellness Base Camp, Saturday, April 7 at the Arca Bar in Adelaide. Two for one tickets available with the code COUNTDOWN at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or search for The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. The code again is COUNTDOWN with the tickets available at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or by typing The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. wellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives you're listening to a quirky journey the healthy family podcast with your hosts joe witten and fuad kasab welcome to yet another episode of a quirky journey this is your host fuad kasab and with me is my good friend joe witten who is just bubbling today <laughs> very, very happy Hello. <laughs> Joe, you and I are like yin and yang. Like I'm feeling very quiet these days and you're feeling all chatty. And oh, I'm always really, chatty. You're always chatty. <laughs> yeah. I can't be bothered talking. So <laughs> nothing's changed. So does that mean I'm going to be doing all the talking today? Yes. Take it away, Joe. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'll introduce what we're going to talk about today. So we don't have an extra guest today. It's just us. So those of you who love hearing us chat, welcome. And if you don't, you <laughs> No, we are going to be talking about something that we think is quite important. And so we decided to do this podcast together. Um, we get a lot of emails and questions from people, especially mums, who want to begin um, eating healthy in their families and want to maybe work on gut health. Maybe they've got kids with allergies and behavioural issues and all sorts of um, things that they know they need to work on gut health um, for. But to even begin something like GAPS is way, way too hard for them at this stage and they need some help to to just start changing from the standard Australian diet or American, wherever you are listening from or (laughs) wherever in the world you are. Um, And it can be quite daunting to think of changing your your children's diet because, as we all know, children get quite attached to foods, actually so do adults. (laughs) And um, they can chuck tantrums and refuse to eat and all sorts of fun things. Um, So it's... You know, it's very difficult to just jump into a new way of eating. So we thought what we'd do today is talk about taking it back a step and really just beginning slowly and gently so that you're working your way um, up to a healthier diet without freaking your family out and without um, your kids all saying, no, I'm not eating that. They may do a little bit of that, but that's pretty usual. Um, But we just want to give you some things that we've found helpful and also some ways to change your lifestyle little by little 
um, for a healthier lifestyle. Is that about right for one? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to sort of have a give our idea of a holistic lifestyle. And what this really is, is um, the way that we feel everyone should be eating because we don't feel gaps is the way that everyone should be eating in terms of uh, long term especially yeah especially not the early gap stages at all um some would argue that gaps in its full gap state is uh, great for day-to-day diet and that may be the case but um what we want to talk about here is whole food diet and a whole food lifestyle because they go kind of hand in hand we can't really separate the two so um we will give our thoughts on the topic and also discuss everything around uh, movement and nature and sun and water and sleep and things like that as well and um, this will be a very high level introduction to the topic yeah so what we we're going to do is kick it off with these basic transitions out of a lifestyle that is uh, very busy and a lifestyle that is caught up in its own momentum, which means that you've probably been doing things out of habit rather than by choice. And this is a, a really big thing in terms of empowering the individual to making decisions in their life. Because first of all, you you'll realize that, hey, I have the power to make decision and choice uh, in areas that I thought were uh, completely settled, that I I had these habits in place and they were uh, good enough. But doing these things um, without real choice could be damaging your health. And what we're talking about here is eating an industrialized diet um, and uh, Different people will be eating different levels of this kind of industrialized diet. So some are only eating packaged goods, which I see in the supermarket quite often. I go to the supermarket and my trolley is full of uh, vegetables and fruit and uh, things like that. And Mm. I see a lot of people, um, especially since I moved to the mountains, um, where um, I have seen a lot of people with packaged goods, everything is wrapped in plastic and coming out of a freezer and uh, things like, you know, beef, mince pies and all sorts of stuff that I don't even recognize. But I understand the convenience of these things. And um, getting yourself out of that way of eating and into eating a whole food lifestyle is going to be the topic of this podcast. So Jojo, um, kick it off with some ideas and then I'll contribute. All right. Um, I think the most important thing to start with is adding in good foods. Um, A lot of people get the idea, okay, um, I've got to start getting rid of this, 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 this. And and sure, they're they're usually things that are not great. Um, Obvious things like additives and food colorings and flavors and things like that, obviously they need to go as soon as possible. Um, And we would also recommend getting rid of gluten but sometimes it does take time to wean your family off these things Um, and I think it's really important to just start working on getting the healing foods in Um, so especially for kids that maybe have sensory issues and they're going to freak out when you start changing their food um, you really need to um, start putting in healthier foods and putting sort of sneaking them in if you have to at first to start the healing process 
and gradually take out the things that you don't want them having. Um, so I would work, we have got a, a um, article on the website called Top Six Foods for Gut Health and we can link to that in the show notes. And these are some of the most nourishing foods that you should start to try and get into the diet. So um, when you are thinking of um, getting broth, for instance, or meat stocks into the diet, some people get the idea, oh, I've got to make my kids drink a cup of broth every day. Well, that probably isn't going to happen for most kids. They'll just freak out and um, refuse to drink it. But what you can do is just start start adding the broths and the stocks to soups and stews and dishes that you usually would put, like you savoury meals that you would usually put water in to cook them, cook them with broth. Or um, when you're simmering your vegetables, simmer them in broth. It actually makes the veggies taste amazing. Um, and then, you know, serve things with uh, that are more soupy and brothy so that they're getting that little bit of brothy and then it may only be a tiny bit to start off with and that's fine. Um, stirring some sauerkraut juice through the food, just like a teaspoon per person per day. Um, that will also help them to start getting some probiotics in. Um, maybe add, if you've got a dish that's got vegetables in it that you feel like you can sneak a bit of sauerkraut in, just stir a spoonful of that through the dish um, in our podcast with Dr. Natasha, we talked about, um, she talked about how you can actually add fermented foods to hot foods and it won't ruin the probiotics, which we thought was pretty cool, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, to actually get the benefit of the ferments without having to mm. eat them in a raw state is actually quite great. It'll yeah. help dull out that kind of big flavor if people aren't used to the ferments. And, and especially kids, like you can just sneak a little tiny bit into their usual meals and they won't notice okay. so that's that's some of my tips for getting started is just start adding in things like and the good fats start adding them in slowly to what you're already making okay so, so that it's not super different maybe we'll take a step back um because it could be a little bit too broad to say add the good fats add the good foods yes and, true and, um and uh, saying maybe uh, preservatives and colorings obviously need to come out is uh, probably an assumption that, um, like, we're thinking that people here may know this. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about um, what food is and why, for instance, preservatives and colorings need to come out. And um, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll start off with the preservatives, additives, and coloring. Um, so... Just to uh, set things in a, a really easy framework for you to understand, the human body is a biological entity and it eats food that need to be biological as well. So the food that, that we, we ingest needs to have a cellular structure. It needs to, be, um, to have come from a living uh, plant or animal. And uh, most of our food should be like that, apart from condiments like, say, salt. Um, salt is uh, one of those exceptions. It's a very mineral-rich um, thing that we add to our food, and it's had a long history of use um, in our diet, and it is safe if it comes from uh, a healthy environment, such as like um, the Celtic Sea or the Australian uh, salt lakes, things like that. But to look, look at these foods that we eat, if they don't have a cellular structure in them, then our body does not recognize them as food. And this is one of the problems, for instance, that refined flours have. 
one of many problems that refined flowers have. So what I mean by refined flowers is the flower that you get now from the supermarket or the shops, which is really, really finely milled. It's lost its cellular structure and it becomes more difficult for the body to recognize it as food, as opposed to stone green, stone ground flour that our ancestors used to eat and that had the cellular structure intact because they couldn't mill it too fine. And when the body doesn't understand something as food, it reacts to it in a very strange way. It really can't digest it. It might amount an inflammatory response to fight it off. So that causes a state of inflammation in the body. When we add things like additives and preservatives into the food, these are highly refined uh, materials that shouldn't be ingested. We shouldn't be putting them into our body for that reason, that the body doesn't understand what they are and to create inflammation. And then on top of that, they have an antibacterial property to them, which means that the job of a preservative that goes into food is to make the food uh, withstand uh, it being on a shelf for a long period of time, which means that it's going to kill any bacteria that's trying to grow on it. And that's the function of this uh, preservative. The problem with that is when we eat this uh, preservative, it'll go into our digestive tract, and in there live bacteria that and um, they outnumber us 10 to 1 in terms of the DNA count that they have in and on us, in our gut and on our skin. The microbes are in our body and on our body outnumber us 10 to 1. So when we have those preservatives in there, they are functioning to kill off this bacteria inside us. And these are friendly bacteria whose job is to live with us and to clean our house and to cook our food for us and digest mm-hmm. our do all sorts of cool stuff that our body needs to function properly to synthesize vitamins for us. So if we're eating a diet that is um, rich in these additives, it's creating inflammation and killing off bacteria that it should. So that's creating disease. So that's the reason why when you look at these packaged foods, you need to avoid these refined ingredients is because of these reasons. There are probably other reasons too, but I think these two, two reasons. Mm, pretty good reasons. <laughs> so, um, so then the question becomes, how do we, what is food then? And maybe Jokin, you can give a bit of an idea there. What you No, you go ahead because you've got a really good explanation of this. Uh, I do. Okay. So, yeah. You talk about it at our seminars and it's, it's good. Okay, so um, for our entire history as human beings, we've been eating living food with cellular structures, as I was saying before, until the uh, recently with the industrialization of our food. And food contains a, a vital force, uh, which is this kind of living energy, you know, we call it life, and life transfers from one thing to the other. And um, it begins with plants, and then the plants uh, grow, and then the animals eat the plants, and then we eat the plants and the animals. And to a large degree, we get um, a, a nutritive effect out of the animals and a detoxing effect out of the plants. So the plants will uh, help our body heal and repair, and the animal foods will give our body the things that they need to grow, heal, and repair. So the, the inputs. And the plants will stimulate that in us and to detox us because they're very good at detoxifying us. And they, um, so then when we look at um, the things that we should be eating, um, obviously they need to be uh, foods that go into that category, plants and animals. And when it comes to plants, 
um, most of our history has been spent eating leafy green vegetables um, and non-starchy vegetables, starchy root vegetables, and uh, to a smaller degree, grains and seeds and things like that. Um, we never had grains and, and seeds in large quantities. Uh, seeds less so. Uh, uh, sorry, grains less than seeds. Um, I know, for instance, the American Indians used to really rely on walnuts and pecans. Um, that was one of their uh, mainstay fats. Um, and we used to have ways of actually dealing with eating these large quantities of seeds and grains because they are damaging to our gut health. So they contain in them chemistry, or phytochemistry it's called, which is plant chemistry, that the plant puts in there to protect its seed and grain because that's how the plant reproduces itself through those things. So we used to soak them and dehydrate them or leach them. and um, They would put um, these nuts in a, in a bag in a running river and come and get them a week later to get all these toxins out of them that create <laughs> problems with our gut. Um, so to a, a, a larger degree of our food should be coming from uh, leafy green vegetables and uh, non-starchy vegetables, then starchy root vegetables, root vegetables, and then grains. And um, they need to be uh, seasonal. Um, they need to be local to your environment, which means now, for instance, asparagus is coming from Mexico. You shouldn't be eating Mexican asparagus. Um, okay. You shouldn't be eating uh, mangoes that are imported from God knows where when they're out of season. Um, it's a. Um, I saw recently that um, one of the supermarkets is selling frozen watermelon chunks, and they uh, are being imported from China. So yes. uh, yeah, so for a country that is uh, as rich uh, in its food as Australia, we really have no excuse in importing our food, mm. um, and we should be eating local food and seasonal food because that informs our body about the geography and the time of year that we are. It tells our body the genetics, the genetic expression of the vegetables is informing our body uh, about where it is and when it is in time. So it knows if it's spring, summer, autumn. And um, this is a really cool thing because our body needs that kind of input to be able to uh, harmonize itself with the seasons. And then on the other hand, we've got um, the animal products. And these are um, also need to be looked at in terms of the quality, the quality of life that the animal has had. So we've uh, had a long history of eating wild animals and that's become much, much less available, almost impossible to get unless it's kind of seafood. These days we can get wild caught seafood, but um, the, the amounts of seafood uh, that is available is um, going downhill very, very quickly. And... Um, we should be looking at sustainable wild goat seafood, which um, there's plenty of resources on the internet around this, but it's getting harder and harder to find. And then we're looking at the animals that we're eating. Most of the animals we eat are chicken, lamb, beef, and pork. This is, these are the four that we um, eat. Uh, in Australia, beef and lamb are very much um, grass-fed. They may be grain finished at the end, and grain is problematic for these animals because they're ruminants. They're designed to eat grass and not grain, and causes inflammation in them. So, if you can get um, pastured um, animals that are fully grass fed, beef in them, then that's really, really great. Um, and then, when you look at the pork and the chicken, 
we're looking at these animals that can eat a little bit of grain, uh, the chicken more so than the pork, but porks, pork, like a, a pig isn't is omnivorous actually, so it can handle a little bit of grain. But both of them need to be on pasture because the um, the large amount of animals in Australia are uh, is held in captivity. So these are animals that are actually in concentrated animal feeding lots and being treated um, really like just um, biomass of food with very inhumane practices. And this results in very sick animals, a sick environment and a highly polluting environment. And it causes a disease state in us when we eat these animals too. So we should really be avoiding that kind of food. We should be getting free range pasture fed animals. It's much harder to find that in pork and chicken than it is in beef and lamb. Um, so you got to go to your local uh, farmer's markets for that. And um, you do your best in this. And any step you take in this direction is really, really good in, in making better choices around that. So this is sort of a, an overview of what goes in the body and um, how you should think about it. And then from there, I think this is a good starting point now to look at how to add these foods into your diet and uh, look at the tips with Joe. So Joe, give us your next tip. Okay, so my next tip is get back to whole foods, which is basically what Fuad's been talking about. Um, but really keep it simple. Like when you hear all this, if you're not, if you're not um, used to thinking this way, it can seem quite overwhelming. But when we started eating this way, it actually simplified our diet so much because when you go to the grocery store, you don't need to go up and down all the aisles looking at all the packets and trying to figure out which things have the okay ingredients and reading all the backs of the packets. So just avoid that section. <laughs> just go through the vegetables and get you good meats. And sometimes, um, you well, if hopefully you've got a good butcher that you can go to um, to get those kind of meats. We live in a town of between one and 2,000 people and we have beautiful farming areas all around us and our little tiny butcher has the best meat and we have a wild-caught seafood store in our town and we have, um, you know, places that we can get organic chicken once a month. We can get our local, locally grown seasonal vegetables. You have to get out there and look for it sometimes because you won't find it all at the supermarket. But even if all you can get is supermarket foods, start there and look for whole foods. So you're not going and buying, you know, like Fuad was saying, you know, going to the grocery store and seeing people's trolleys full of packets. Try to reduce the packets and get back to whole foods. So really simple foods. And I think um, it's really important to realise that Foods don't need to be made into something all the time. You can eat an apple for a snack. You can eat a banana. You can eat a handful of nuts. You can eat um, some yogurt. So it can be really basic, simple food, and it will really nourish you much more than foods that have been mucked around within a factory. Um, and so one way that in our family that we use whole foods very simply is things like one-pot meals where you simmer the meat until it's soft and then you add a heap of veggies, maybe some herbs and garlic, um, some um, ghee or butter or something to add some flavour and some good fats. And then, you know, that kind of meal is so simple. It hardly takes any thinking um, and it's something that is very nourishing and filling. Um, and so we have a lot of those kind of recipes to help you with that kind of thing. 
Um, but just remember that you don't have to fuss around doing heaps of um, like baking all special things and getting all, you know, these weird ingredients to be healthy. You can just eat really simple food. So that's, um, do you want to talk about simplifying your food at all, Fouad? Because I know that you found the same thing, that getting back to really simple food was part of your healing. Yeah, it's, um, uh, let me have a, let, let me see how I can articulate this one. It's just um, easier in the in the first instance when you're switching to this kind of way of eating to not um, think about replacing all that big variety of food that you were eating before yes. with uh, the new healthier version, like going from like the packet lasagna to making your own lasagna. And mm, if you're you having that, the day. <laughs> yes, um, just it's just much easier to have. Um, things like soups and stews that are that you can throw in a slow cooker on put or cook on low heat in the oven uh, while you're doing other stuff and go get a you know get on with your day so that food isn't really the center point of your life like you don't it doesn't need to be that way when you you've decided to eat healthy actually you should try to find ways to make it super efficient for yourself that this doesn't take up too much of your time and your mental space and don't worry too much about going oh am i eating all the right stuff no you're not and that's okay you don't need to eat all the right stuff straight away what you'll find is that by eating some of the right stuff your body will really, really appreciate it. And then you start healing. And as you start healing, you find yourself having more and more energy to be able to put into your food if yes. you want. But it's not really necessary to, to focus on that initially. Even if mm. you make two meals a week, make them large, put them in the fridge and eat them until you're bored with them and then do it again the next week, you're doing yourself a bigger favor. And, mm. and it's really it'll really free you up because when I, what I say by free you up is I'm not saying here free you up in terms of time. It'll free, make you free because you're currently outsourcing your food preparation to someone else. And in a way, they're making the decision for you as to what goes into your body and into your children's body. And that is giving away your power of choice. And mm. this is this is not really a thing that you should be doing. Deciding on what goes in your body and in your family's body is one of the biggest decisions you can make in your life. And it's so empowering to be able to make the right decisions for yourself. And that means eating real whole foods. That's really very very simple and there are so many resources out there that make it very easy for you to cook this kind of food at home so like whether it's chopping your stuff your vegetables up with a the thermomix to make a soup like my wife did a big bolognese yesterday she froze five six same i did too <laughs> there you go so this this is really like the um finding these efficiencies is great and you'll be able to really start healing. You'll, you'll be able to find that your body is responding really well. And if you change at least 50% of your diet, let's say, you don't have to go all the way straight out. Like you, if you're finding it very hard to learn, learn slowly. Like no one goes from, uh, you know, crawling to running straight away. So don't expect yourself to do that with, with the food, yeah. like ditching it overnight. So... If you can, to, that's not bad, but um, do it gradually. Yes, Joe. 
I have to say um, people often think that, you know, that I did this really quickly and um, jumped in and healed the family really quickly. This has been 20 years of work. You know, it was little by little. Um, we, we did start off where I was trying to swap all the things over and change them to gluten-free and change them to sugar-free and change them to dairy-free and I was in the kitchen all the time and it actually freed me up, like you say, in a lot of ways to, to start cooking more like GAPS intro because, and I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but it was such simple food and every time I went to the grocery store, I knew exactly what ingredients to get without even having my meal plan with me because there was certain foods that we were eating at that time for healing that's yeah. just what we ate. And then we made meals out of that and it was so simple. Um, just to give you a couple of ideas of really simple meals, if you feel like you're stuck, a roast dinner with veggies, with roast veggies or a salad, super easy. Anyone can do that and it takes hardly any time to prepare. Um, uh, like we were saying earlier, um, put your meat into the pot put in the water, simmer until the meat's soft and then add in a heap of veggies. So that's like a stew or a soup and then you've got herbs and things to, to make it a bit more interesting. Um, meatballs, if I don't put anything in my mince, I just roll it up with a bit of salt and just make the balls, simmer them in um, some broth and then add like veggie sticks and uh, like uh, cauliflower and broccoli florets and some herbs and some fat like ghee and finish that off so the veggies are cooked and that makes a really delicious meal. Um, just simple things and, and go on to the blog and have a look at the recipes on there and um, ask in the chat groups and places like that what's some really simple one-pot meals if you feel stuck because there's heaps of ideas out there. Mm. All right, so my next tip is around um, fats that you use at home. And Joe's mentioned this word, um, good fats. So... What are good fats and um, how much can you eat? And um, what, what's the bad fat and what's so bad about it? So looking at the same way that I explained before in terms of the refining of food, um, this can be applied to the fats that we eat. So for instance, making butter requires cream that can be churned by hand and that will give you butter. And if the creams come from a pasture-fed uh, cow or uh, sheep, uh, or um, you've had it, uh, or even goat, um, all these animals that produce milk that we can drink, if they've been on pasture, then their fat, the uh, milk that they produce is healthy, and then using really basic techniques, you can turn that into butter, and then from there you can turn it into ghee just by cooking it and straining it. Um, Let's, let's look at, for instance, olive oil. You can take a bunch of olives and you can uh, crush them and then um, you will get all the juice out and then if you leave that to settle, then you get olive oil on the top and water on the bottom. And then you can just collect the olive oil. Currently, of course, in mechanized uh, ways, they use a centri centrifuge, which um, basically separates the water from the oil very efficiently. You don't have to wait for it to settle, but the concept's the same. It's just crushing olives and getting their juice out and getting the oil out of that. Um, coconut oil, very much the same. You can make coconut milk or cream, and then the oil will flow to the top. You can even churn that like as well, like butter, and, and it will separate. The oils will separate from the... Uh, the liquid from the, the water content and then you'll have coconut oil. 
if you look at um, the oils that we've been told to eat, in uh, contrast to this, like margarine or uh, canola or corn oil or soybean oil or rice bran oil, these oils um, undergo a an industrial process to be made. So you can't actually make margarine at home unless you're some kind of whiz bank chemist <laughs> who's got um, you know bleach and, and, yeah, <laughs> and, and you need a lot of specialized equipment and and you need a really solid understanding of chemistry because um, you actually need to change the, the chemistry of um, these ingredients to extract the oil out of them and then they need to be um, treated under heat so that you can extract out these oils, which are usually rancid by that time because they've been extracted at such a high heat and they're high in something called omega-6s, which is not a bad oil, but it's now we're eating it um, in much larger quantities than we ever have. So we used to eat omega-3s, which is the stuff that you hear about in fish oil, uh, to omega-6s, which is the stuff that we get out of usually nuts and seeds, we used to have them in the ratio of one to one or one to three at the most. So one omega-3 to one or three omega-6s. And now we're in excess of one to 20. So our uh, consumption of these fats has skyrocketed and they're contributing to a state of inflammation in our body, especially when they're coming from non-whole food sources. So you should really look through your pantry and just chuck out the grapeseed oil, chuck out the canola oil, the vegetable oil, um, the soy the oil, the nutlegs <laughs> for sure, the margarine. Um, this is the stuff that we shouldn't have at home. You should be buying um, olive oil, extra virgin, cold press, organic if, if you can. And this stuff needs to be stored in like a dark container so that the sunlight doesn't damage it and needs to be stored in a cool place. Um, and otherwise you're eating fat that is rancid, which means it's already rusted in a way. So when you eat it, you inherit the rust from the fat. And when your body is trying to be healthy, it doesn't do it good to try to build its cells using already damaged ingredients because that kind of damage is what our body's striving against all the time. That's why you hear of the term antioxidant so much because it's the stuff that's needed to promote uh, a, the removal of rust in the body. So if you're not eating high-quality ingredients that are not damaged in the first place, you're going to be really giving your, your body a handicap to start off with. So, Joe, go for your next tip. Okay. I think we should talk about gluten. I did mention it at the start that that's something that we would recommend working out of your diet as soon as possible. Um, but as I also said in the first point, um, these things sometimes take time to remove because um, they're quite addictive. Yes. But maybe do you want to explain first why to omit gluten? Why? Like we do have a whole podcast on this if you want to get into all the science and the details. But do you want to just give a simple explanation, Fufu? Uh, yes, sure. So uh, gluten is a protein that is present in uh, rye, wheat, barley, and also in oats. Uh, a relative of it is present in oats. Um, so these are what's known as the glutinous grains. And this protein um, is what gives bread its gluiness. So gluten is uh, related to the word glue, which means that it's the, the binding matter 
of the of the grain. So that's why these um, these breads are so elastic. And um, typically, we've um, eaten gluten uh, from heirloom varieties. There's a there are modern strains of wheat that are now maybe what is it ten times I think richer in gluten than ever before. So in the same slice of bread, you're having way more gluten than you did um, before the industrialization of our food. And gluten, the problem with it is it's such a complex protein. And um, what it does is it damages our gut lining and then it enters into our bloodstream. We don't have the ability to digest gluten. We've, we've done a really great podcast with Dr. Tom O'Brien on this topic, but we can't really digest gluten and as it goes it goes through our gut and into our bloodstream our body will uh, sequence its chemistry and it will see that the protein has certain um protein str- uh, strands within it like it can actually look at it and say oh i recognize what this is and start making an antibody for it to actually fight it off but because gluten is such a complex protein and it's actually similar to the proteins in the body if the body mounts an immune response against gluten, it could inadvertently also be attacking itself. So you could have the body attacking the thyroid. So you get Hashimoto's thyroiditis, or it could attack the joints. So you get autoimmune arthritis, or you can get IBS or Crohn's or diabetes because the pancreas is under attack. So this kind of protein becomes very problematic for us, um, especially when our gut's not healthy. And um, some people say it's never healthy to eat gluten. Uh, others say if you have a healthy gut, then you're okay. Dr. Tom O'Brien says that once you cross, cross that threshold where the, the gluten actually goes into a damaged gut and goes into your bloodstream, then your body will memorize this immune response and you'll never really safely be able to eat gluten again. That's his view on it. Um, so... Um, this and is, some say to if you if you are going to eat it, then only eat it in its fermented form, like in a sourdough, traditional sourdough. Yes. So um, the reason for that is um, the fermentation will um, denature the protein a little bit, which means that it's not as damaging to us, and also it, of course. Um, ferments because looking at gluten on its own is a bit ridiculous because of course it comes bundled in the entire grain with other stuff and as i was saying before uh, grains contain a lot of toxins in them that, that uh, the plant puts in there to stop us from eating too much of it because if we ate raw grains it'll give us a lot of pain in our gut so by cooking it it reduces those uh, compounds but um these compounds are still present and they are really heavily reduced during fermentation. So once we ferment um, a a loaf of bread using a classic or typical traditional sourdough approach, uh, a few things happen. First of all, of course, we're looking at using heirloom varieties of wheat, so like Kamut or Spelt or um, Khorasan, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, And this approach, these varieties have less gluten in them. The fermentation um, eats away the carbohydrates in the grain, which makes it a much lower carb. The sourness also lowers the glycemic index of the bread, so that means it doesn't spike your, uh, your blood sugar as much. Uh, the proteins get denatured, so gluten isn't as da- damaging as it once was before. And also the fermentation, it um, activates the grain um, into sprouting, even though it's just at a cellular structure, even though it's just a stone mill, the, the cell 
will break down the chemistry in it that is meant to harm us because the grain thinks it's time to sprout, so it gets rid of this chemistry in it. So that's why it's super important to eat fermented, like properly fermented uh, sourdough bread mm-hmm. if you're if you intend on eating it. And make sure it's organic and it's spelled or kemut. Um, that's really really important. Don't go for the modern varieties of wheat because they're much more damaging to you. Yeah. Um, so what does a gluten-free diet look like? I think people need to understand that it shouldn't be replace the gluten breads and biscuits and cakes and pastas with um, the really starchy packet food that you'll see, um, you know, advertised everywhere that are full of sugar and flavours and preservatives and colours. Don't just replace that for your gluten stuff because you'll actually be doing harm to your body with those packet foods as well so um what we're talking about when we're saying about taking gluten out um you can you can swap to a healthier bread that's gluten-free so we have one in our cookbook that's for us grain-free dough that is beautiful you can make pizza bases and um, flatbreads and buns and Um, wraps and all of those sorts of things with that kind of recipe. That's a really good recipe from our life-changing food cookbook. Um, If you go onto the Quirky Cooking blog, you'll find so many breads in there that you can try. But like we said um, just earlier, if you simplify your food and you really fill up on the veggies with the meats and the broths and the nuts and seeds and fish and eggs and leafy greens and fruit and yogurt, you really don't need bread so much anymore and it becomes a now and then food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're not wasting heaps of your time in the kitchen trying to recreate all these recipes and make them gluten-free. It's just a now and then food and it's something that, you know, maybe for a special occasion or for um, you've got friends coming over and you want to make a, a nice bread or maybe you want to make a biscuits or a cake or a pie or something like that that's fine, but I wouldn't be eating um, all these sweets and baked foods every day. Um, is that what you would say, Fu? I, uh, just to give you an example, I've been gluten-free since 2011. So it's been a long time for me without bread. And I, um, I'm telling you, it's doable. I used to be a reviewer for the Sydney Morning Herald with Food Guide and <laughs> if anyone was a foodie, that was me. And um, you'll hear often anyone that you suggest to, hey, maybe you should quit gluten. They'll say something like, I love my pasta or I love my bread or I love my... <laughs> and it becomes like mine. Don't take and, it away from me. Uh, and there's <laughs> a sense that, hey, this is like a precious thing. You know, like um, I, I always see Gollum from Lord of the Rings. My precious. You know? <laughs> and um, it becomes... Like, people become really defensive around gluten because of its addictive nature and how darn good it tastes and how crunchy it is, <laughs> how versatile it is. And I give you that. It is delicious. There's no doubt, you know. What happens after, you know, all this time is I will look at a bowl of pasta now and I can't see it as food. I just don't see it as food. It's just become... It, kind of, it, doesn't, it doesn't attract me like it used to. It doesn't no, tempt me. No. And, and it's just uh, your body will start understanding what is food and what is not. Mm. Um. I uh, yeah, highly recommend 
taking steps towards reducing your gluten intake and making sure that if you're eating it, just do it in this the fermented sourdough thing. That's the best place to keep gluten. Not in pasta, not in cakes, not in supermarket breads. Um, you can't eat that stuff. Not in schnitzels and deep fried stuff because that's schnitzels like gluten deep fried in seed oils, which is we've mm. already spoken about. So like these things are, are really really inflammatory for your body, and mm. um, you want to be uh, as anti-inflammatory as possible. So what we eat like because of course it's a bulking agent with food. So you know you yes. you're like what else am I gonna put there? A filler. So, yeah, we love. Uh, root vegetables. We think they're really great. So sweet potatoes and potatoes and carrots and um, Pumpkin. pumpkins and that kind of stuff. Even Parsnips, turnips. That stuff is really, really beautiful food. And it's got its cellular structure intact. If you're um, dealing with weight issues, you know, going lower carb is a good idea, which means anyway, quitting gluten would be a good idea because it always comes with the carbs. But if carbs aren't an issue for you, then um, these root vegetables are great. And also, white rice is um, known as a safe starch. It's not one of those starches or greens that are harmful to you. They um, they don't damage your body as much as gluten does. So it, this is my recommendation is white rice is better. Um, mm. And uh, root vegetables are better than white rice. So, yeah. yeah. Good. All right. What else, Fufu? Um, so, man, there's, there's really is so much to talk about here. I know. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we'll move on a little bit to um, a little bit of the lifestyle stuff. And sure. I really, really like focusing on sleep as a, a, a big, big part of healing. And mm-hmm. if you're struggling with your energy levels and you're str- struggling with mental clarity and all that, and you're trying to eat better and you're not sleeping well, then what you're doing is you're putting all this fuel in your body, but you're like still running on first gear still because mm. your body's just not, you can't switch gears on, unless it's really rested and capable of making these um, really what, what is just huge jumps in healing as you add sleep into the, the formula. So sleep and food together is like larger than the sum of its parts, really. So what we like to do is we like to um, turn the lights off at night because artificial lights really, really damage your rhythm of sleep. If you have, try it on, turn the lights off tonight and um, reduce them as much as you can and see how much earlier you feel sleepy. Um, and sleep and with candles, are, candles are great at night as well. Yeah, they, they, that's, that's the kind of light that our bodies are used to. So we're used to having uh, orange and red wavelength at night. Um, we're not used to having the blue wavelength at night. That's reserved oh. for daytime. So then when the blue, uh, the sky is blue during the day, our bodies get the input and signal that this, this is daytime. And we feel uh, like up and go, should feel up and go. And when it goes dark, our body should feel sleep time, let's go to bed. and. Um, if we manage to go back into that kind of rhythm, then it's great. And this becomes a problem when we're using a lot of social media or our phones or laptops and TVs and things like that. Um, you can address that with um, blue light blockers, which are glasses that you can get off eBay for like 20 bucks. They block the blue light spectrum at night. And you look like Bono, who's <laughs> lounging around in your house. So um, that's 
one option. The other one is um, software on your phone, like um, Night Shift and Flux and Iris and these things. They all help reduce the blue light of the phone and also reducing the intensity of the light. So like the less bright it is, the better. And uh, go into a sleep ritual. So make sure that you disconnect uh, you know, an hour before bed. You can read your book by candlelight or just sit down and be quiet or chat to your family, uh, your spouse. And um, that's a better way, a healthier way for you to live rather than keeping technology up right until the last moment before you drop in your bed out of exhaustion. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think detoxing the home should be mentioned here also we've talked about this on the podcast plenty of times but when I mentioned candles I just thought um, it's good to know that candles that have the fake scents in them um, actually put is it phthalates out into your air and you you don't want to be breathing that stuff in it's actually really bad for you so get just natural candles like um, beeswax um and, and when we talk about simplifying your food, you also need to simplify things like body products and detergents and perfumes. Just go back to the more basic versions that don't have all the, um, the fake smells and ingredients in there. That and It's really easy to make a lot of them yourself. I, I clean with water and like Enyo cloths or things like that or I use a little bit of um, essential oils in water to clean with for the nice smells um, and I use bicarb soda on the oven with vinegar. Um, you don't need to buy all those really expensive sprays and cleansers and cleaners and all that kind of stuff. Just go back to really basic and there's so much info online for how to make them or how to just mm. use really basic stuff. Mm. Um, I find that I'm very sensitive to the fake smells and the toxins in um, detergents and things, and I'll get a headache from it. Um, so I really am careful with that at home. And it does make a difference to um, how you feel when you, when you detox your home. It will actually help to improve your health and actually cuts down on stress as well and hay fever and things like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and even you know the personal um, products, deodorant, like mm. bath, and shower, and shampoos, and all that kind of stuff. It's really important to go natural. Um, yeah. we, we use Willida products, which we love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, hold on, let me go to the. They do smell amazing. Like if you like to have beautiful smells, they smell amazing. But they never ever make me feel sick or sneezy like the others do. So no. obviously, they're just really beautiful ingredients, organic, biodynamic, um, essential oils, all of those sorts of things. They're very yeah, um, top quality. Quirky 15, you get 15% off Willita products. So Yes. Yeah, got that. So au. That's right. I think. Yeah. yeah. Quirky 15. And yeah. um, all right, uh, water is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long this podcast should go for. Maybe I'll give the water point and you give it the other point and then is that enough? What do you think, Joe? I, I don't know how long we've gone for. <laughs> we usually go an hour or so. <laughs> Zoom, tell me how long we've been going. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let's... That's all right. Keep going. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, well. So, um, 
All right. So water is a big thing. Um, typically, we've had access to water uh, that is um, wild and running free and undomesticated. But of course, <laughs> as we've domesticated our animals and our land, we've domestic, domesticated the water. And that's a really big problem for our body because we are, what is it, Joe? 90 what? Percent is it 70 something? That's uh, 70, 70 more. No. Percent water? No, yeah, 70% water. Yeah, 79 or something like that. Something like that. We're, we're pretty much water with some other stuff <laughs> thrown in there. And, um, so I think, I think actually, hold on, 65%. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> um, so most of us is water. And if we're putting really, really great food in our body and we're not looking after the quality of the water that we're drinking, then again, you can see how we're giving the body the wrong input. And if we're drinking water that's chlorinated, that's going to be damaging the bacteria in our gut. And most tap water is chlorinated because they don't want that water to be full of bacteria that is harmful to you when you open the tap. And you can understand that. And this is sort of part of the system that we have now is that chlorine is in the water. That chlorine is killing the bacteria on your skin and in your gut. So we uh, highly recommend foraging for water if you can. We don't do it. I do it every once in a while. There's a spring not far from my house and I just can't, you know, be bothered going there every time my water supply drops off. But um, <laughs> Get lots of exercise. Yeah, I, I fill it up and I drink it as I've said often on this podcast, medicinally, so I'll have a glass every day just so I can have an input of wild water. But I use uh, a Zazen water filter at home, uh, which is an mm-hmm. water filter that goes through all the stages of filtration that happens in a natural aquifer, which is say like in the mountains, you go through gravel and rock and stone and sand and that kind of stuff. They've mimicked that in a benchtop system. Of course, it's not going to be as effective as a mountain and filtering your water. But it's really as good as it gets in terms of a um, benchtop water filter. We love it. The flavor of the water is delicious. It remineralizes the water for you as well and magnetizes it because that's what happens in nature. So we've got as close as we can get really to this water at home. And we like it better than reverse osmosis because first of all, it tastes better. And second of all, there's no wastewater that goes down the sink because uh, reverse osmosis is a type of filtering that removes pretty much everything from the water and leaves it just as H2O. And a lot of, of that water can't be processed, so it just goes down the drain. With the Zazen, it's just all there and you drink it. and um, it's really, It tastes really good too. Yeah, because it's got it's these mineral nice. stones that the water sits in that remineralize mm. the water. It's It's a good way to get kids to drink water because if they're used to tap water, which is just, it tastes yuck most of the time, tastes like chlorine. And um, I know when I I go to someone else's house now that don't have a filter and I have a cup of tea, it's like, oh, that tastes weird because it's got that chlorine flavor. And and I don't want to drink water when it tastes like that. But when you've got a beautiful, clear water, it makes you drink more. So it's good for kids. Mm, That's right. Mm. Um, so we get 15% off Zazen water filters for our for 15, sorry, 10% off. It used to be 15, but now it's mm-hmm. And what's the coupon code, Joe? QC Water 15. QC for quirky cooking, Water 15. 
So go to zazenalkalinewater.com.au and um, that will be the place you can buy your zazen water filter from. Highly recommend getting the glass um, variety. Mm. Get it in plastic. Uh, get the glass. Uh, that's, you want your water to have as least, the least amount of contact with plastic as possible. It's a little bit more expensive, but really you won't feel it in the long term. And it's, uh, it's very, very much worth it. Mm. What's, in, what's your... Last okay. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about time management because this is another question we get a lot. <laughs> um, because when people think of cooking or eating healthier or changing their lifestyle, they just say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Um, for one thing, I think it's something that when you're desperate enough and when you're serious enough, you will make time. Um, and it can be done slowly. You don't have to change everything today. That's what we've said a few times. But, for instance, to help with the food, um, meal planning is really helpful. I've always found that really helpful. Even if you don't want to, like, plan completely and do every single meal on a plan, you can at least think of, like Fouad said, two meals, three meals, five meals that you're going to cook that week, buy all the ingredients for it on the weekend, have it all ready to go so that when you come home from work or school or and you, you know, you're tired and you can't think of what you want to eat, you've already got a plan of um, meals for the week and you can pick one of those and you've got the ingredients and you can get started. Um, and another thing that I've found really helpful is having a list of snacks and lunchbox type foods on the fridge so that when you go, oh, I can't think of anything for a healthy snack for myself or for the kids or I can't think of anything for lunch and you, you're tempted to grab that packet of chips or go get takeaway or whatever, um, there's a list of simple things that you can do. And, I, I'm, and I'm talking like just really simple things like a handful of nuts with a banana, a date with some nut butter in it, some avocado with salt, homemade nut butter on apple or celery, a chia pudding, a boiled egg with avocado and toast. And, you know, just give yourself some, I also have it there for the kids quite often so that when I'm not home, they can go, oh, there's some things I could have because they look in the fridge and go, there's only ingredients. <laughs> so it's handy. Butter from the supermarket though, really look at the ingredients because mm. like, you might read peanut butter and you look at the back and say vegetable oil and sugar mm. and preservatives in there as well. So it's just very important. It's really easy to make. Nut butter, make it at home or just buy something that's pure nut. Just yeah. that's what it needs is nuts. Yep. Um, in our cookbook, if you have that, there is a page with lunch ideas and lunchbox ideas and a page with snack ideas and a pe I think that's lunches and snacks on one page, sorry, and a breakfast page of ideas as well. Photocopy it, stick it on the fridge so that you've got something to sort of jog your mind and you go, oh, yeah, I could have that. So that does help. And I find with time management for me, it really helps if I get to bed earlier. <laughs> um, like Fouad was saying, slow down at night, try and get to bed half an hour earlier than you usually do. If you usually go to bed at 10.30, try and bring it back to 10 um, because then you're much more able to get up early in the morning and get started. And sometimes I have four meals cooked by 9am because I have to do breakfast for the big kids who leave at 7.30 and get their lunches organised and, you know, then we also have um, other things that we're cooking for during the day so that I can go to the office or go and do things that I need to do without having to be home cooking all day. So if you get up early, you can manage your time better and 
and sort of just get your day started quicker and um, it's just much more productive if you can get to bed earlier and get up earlier. That's what I find. Mm. Um, so those are some of my time management tips um, just to have a healthier lifestyle. And I find it's a lot less stressful also if I'm um, managing my time. When I get, you know, some days you feel like everything's on top of you and you got up late and the kitchen was already a mess and there was no food in the fridge for lunches or breakfasts and you're sort of starting from the day before and, you know, it feels like you just can't catch up all day and that puts a lot of stress on you and I find that's the days where I'm the most stressed if I, if I let that happen. So preparing the night before and getting up early um, really helps me to have a less stressful day as well. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And um, I, I went to sleep, I think, at 9 o'clock yesterday, which was very unusual. For oh, me. that's good. I, I got really sleepy and I got up again today at, I think, 5.30 in the morning. Mm. And then as I was as I did that, I was like, man, that was too early. I went to bed too early. <laughs> early. And I thought, hey, well, I don't watch TV at night. What am I doing staying up anyway? It's like it's an old yeah. habit of like staying up. Yes. And you put the kids to bed and then you watch TV. But I don't even watch TV anymore. So I'm thinking yeah. if I can keep this up and then have a nice peaceful morning before anyone else wakes up in the morning. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? I love oh. that's my favorite time of day to be up at five thirty or six and nobody Natural. else is around. Yes. For you, I wake up at eight thirty. Okay. <laughs> now I know you're up. So no. you can't message me you know, from five thirty. No, look, I'm I'm busy having my quiet time yeah. without people, so yeah. don't worry. I'm not going to talk to you at five thirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying my quietness without fufu. <laughs> I'm going to get a message at some point at 5. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Pretty sure. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, maybe I'll finish up with one thing and then yes. so you can add another one if you want because you always want to say, oh, and I forgot <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, no. So uh, sunshine. This is yes. so important. Get out of the house or the office and get a little bit of sunshine. Hmm. This um, orb in the sky is powering all the life on this planet. It all, all of it depends on this energy that's coming onto the planet to give it uh, life. It's incredible. Like everything hmm. from the seeds and the animals and our bodies, they, we all need sunlight, not only for vitamin D. There's so many chemicals that get produced in the human body out of sunlight. Um, vitamin D is the most famous one, but all the others are very, very important too. And you need to get as much time outside as possible. If the sun's too harsh, indirect sun is still really good. Um, avoid putting a nasty sunscreen on your body. They put so many things that get absorbed into your skin that is terrible for you. Mm. And um, just make sure that you get a good quality uh, sunscreen that is made with uh, ingredients that aren't going to kill you. So important. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. So if you get out there, you'll find this, that sun and nature are um, used as therapy in Japan. Like the doctor, you'll go to the doctor and say, I'm feeling this, and he'll actually write you a script. I don't know if he'll write a script, but like you'll get um, told that you have to go into nature. I think you can take that to your uh, job and you say, hey, I need to go into nature. And they'll be like, yeah, understood, go. 
Um, and that's the nature of the human body is it needs to be in its natural habitat at least every once in a while. Otherwise, this kind of uh, living in between four walls, which is very, very unnatural to mm. any biological organism on the planet, it'll drive us mad. So get out. You know, um, I said to India when I was driving her to work this morning, um, I said, oh, Fuad and I are going to do a podcast on our own today. What do you think we should talk about? She said, I think you should talk about getting out into nature more. So there you go. <laughs> so she knows the value of it. Because she's- yeah, she, she works in nature all day, every day. And when she gets home, she's pretty much out in it again. Um, one of the reasons I really wanted to get started early today was because I'm going to go to the lake after lunch with my daughter and her friend because, um, you know, it's school holidays here and we want to make the most of it. Um, and just the joy of being out in nature and on the lake and swimming and paddleboarding, it is just the most relaxing, beautiful thing mm. ever. Um, and so that's sort of a highlight for our day when we can do that. So it's good to be able to fit that into your day somewhere, definitely. Mm. I'm going to do that right now. See you later. <laughs> wait, wait. We have to tell them about our seminars. Oh, yes. <laughs> What's that? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, my phone rang. Okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, we, we didn't start with our usual chit-chat, so shall we end with it? No. This has been like well, a adventure. Yeah, I know, but we have to tell them what's happening. That's what I mean. Okay, that stuff. So yes. we I, I am going to visit Joe in early well, Yahoo! May. Third no, of April, I mean. I'll be flying out of April, yeah. to see Jojo. Um, yeah. and to do a seminar in Cairns, Atherton, and in Townsville. Joe, what are the dates? Okay, so the 1st of May, Fuad's birthday, yes. <laughs> we have um, the Atherton um, seminar, and that's at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then on the 2nd of May, we have the Cairns seminar, which is 7 to 10 p.m. And then on the 4th of May, we have the Townsville seminar, which is 7 to 10 p.m. And you can find all the details on the events tab on the blog um, and we'll put the links in the notes and everything. Um, I'm really excited because we are having something in my area. So, yahoo, you, you locals who are listening to this, you better come. You'll be in trouble. <laughs> I'm excited. Yay! <laughs> That's so good. Actually, I had a message from a lady in Melbourne and she was so disappointed that she'd missed out on the Melbourne seminar last time when it didn't work out and she said, I'm thinking I'll fly up to Cairns for the seminar. And she said, I've got a friend in Cairns and, and she'll come with me. She said, are you wow. sure it's going to be on? I said, I'm sure it's going to be on. Come. Uh, <laughs> so, awesome. There you go. If you're not, if you're not yeah. from far north Queensland, you can always fly up and have a holiday up here. It's beautiful. Wow. And a, hang out in at the lake with us and go paddleboarding. A stuff. lot of expectation on, on us to be, <laughs> <laughs> be like, hey, guys, let's cook together. Now it has to be good. Oh. <laughs> always great, actually. Love yeah, we have, we have so much fun, don't well, we? Joe, you might do that yeah. on your own because I have my um, wilderness fast coming up. You're going to come. You're going to be fine. Well, if I die on the... You don't die. Yeah. You're not allowed to die. If I, if I, if I die, um, <laughs> then please apologize to everyone at the seminar. Okay. For me. But I'm pretty sure you won't. Um, I'm sure Isaac will be happy to take over for you if you die. Look after my children. <laughs> 
Okay, I will. And um, <laughs> make sure that they're, you know, they're in a nurturing, loving environment. Um, I will, yes. And, um, yeah, I hope I come back, guys. But I will definitely talk to you before. We've got next week before I leave, we'll record another podcast. Yeah, and, we'll uh, record another one. So you leave in a week, on, don't you? On the Vision Quest when I come back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, he's doing a four-day water fast in the wilderness on his own. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I know. And they told me that before that, I have to like spend a day in the wilderness um, on my own. I can eat and all that. But imagining that I will actually die on the uh, quest and, uh, and then... Morbid? Think of all the people that um, I have some like unfinished business with, or things that I want to say to before I die, and write letters for them. I don't need to necessarily send them the letters, but are you going to send me one? I don't have any unfinished business with. Dusted. Okay. Yeah, but let you off then. What, Joe? I can tell you right now what I'll say to you. In, in okay, the, tell me. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> All right, this is what I'll say. Okay. I'll say, um, Joe, thank you so much for being my friend. Oh, my life has been short and I've only known you for seven years or so. Nine, nah, it's more like nine. Nine? Seven, nine mm. years? Seven were good, the good years. The first two we know <laughs> each other. Um, <laughs> stop interrupting me before I die. Sorry. I'll write that. And, uh, Sorry. Say, um, thank you so much for... Um, giving me this wonderful opportunity to do what I do today. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Mm-hmm. You're one of my best friends, probably my Aww. annoying best friend, which is... <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done and for all the lives that you've touched. And um, I will, um, again, thank you and thank you and thank you for making my life so much better. And um, it's been two years now with Jojo, so loving. Yeah, time. two years and we've been working together. Yes, don't interrupt me. This is part of my life. Oh. Um, and I'll also say, don't interrupt me. Um, and um, I'll say, um, Joe, you're an inspiration to the world, and um, don't stop doing what you do. Always believe in yourself, like I believe in you. Like if you ever feel like you doubt yourself. Think what would I think of me now? And you always know that I believe in you and that I believe in your ability to create change for good in this world. And I want you to continue your mission without me and to touch the lives of millions more people and also look after my family for me because I can't think of anyone else better to ask of than you to do that. So, oh, are you finished? Yeah. Now I'm all teary. Uh-huh. Oh, that was very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> that's all. That's all. It's nothing big, you know, it's nothing. It's very kind and sweet and, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Stop being annoying now and all like emotional. <laughs> let's get on with it. Let's, let's, let's do some work. It's just morning, but lots, lots of work ahead. You know? We do. We do. Right. Cool, Jojo. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And we hope that this podcast was helpful to you. Big hugs from us. Have an awesome day. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.